Happy Sabbath once again to everybody. Let's have a brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for having brought us together. May what we hear in the church service today inspire us and guide us. And may we continue to be blessed by you, our Heavenly Father. We say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last year, 2016, Maurice White died. Now, some of you might be asking, who was Maurice White? Does anyone know? Well, Maurice White was a musician, and he was the leader of a group called Earth, Wind, and Fire, which was well known in the 1970s and 1980s for singing soul, rhythm, and blues, and yes, even disco songs. And in 1975, when I was in my early 20s, it feels so long ago, Earth, Wind, and Fire released an album entitled That's the Way of the World. And to me, at that time, it seemed to be a great album title. It said to me that no matter how hard you try in life, you will always find trouble because, as the song says, that's just the way it is. Four years later, in 1979, Earth, Wind, and Fire released another album which, again to me, had an even more impressive title. It was called I Am. At that time, I didn't appreciate the real significance of those two words. Nonetheless, the title seemed to me to say it all. It was powerful. I Am. Nothing more needed to be said. Later, I came to see the true importance, the true power, and the true authority of the words, I am. The Bible itself contains two fundamental I am declarations. The first is found in Exodus 3.14. God has just instructed Moses to go to the Pharaoh and tell him to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Moses protests and he asks, well, who will I tell them sent me? And God replies in his total majesty, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. I am. That's all that needs to be said. The second declaration is found in our scripture reading in John 8. Verses 56 to 59 read as follows. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to cast at him. Just look at the tenses that Jesus uses in this declaration. We humans have a past, a present, and a future. We were born, we live, and we will die. But Jesus is eternal. Every single point in time is For Jesus, the present. 
I like how Lael Caesar, the Adventist writer, put it. But God in his house of eternity is never yesterday. Everything to him is today. This single sentence in verse 58 is one of the clearest indications of the eternal divinity of Christ. The Jews clearly understood what Jesus was saying because they wanted to stone him. Jesus' statement, if it were not true, was blasphemy. And the prescribed punishment for blasphemy at that time was death. But Jesus had committed no blasphemy. He was and is God. Jesus is a great teacher. I think we all agree on that, right? Absolutely. We see this through the amazing lessons he presents in the parables. And we see it too in the profound teachings embedded in his sermons. Just look at all that the Sermon on the Mount teaches us. And Jesus once more comes to help us, to teach us, to instruct us. The I Am Declaration in John 8, verse 58, is, we might say, something that operates at the macro level. It's a basic statement of principle. But some of us might ask, well, what does it really mean? Can you explain it to us? And Jesus patiently breaks it down for us. In the Gospel according to John, Jesus makes seven I Am statements about himself which detail his sacred relationship to this world and truly help us to better understand, if we do not already, what I am signifies for each and every one of us. The first I am statement occurs in John 6.35, where Jesus states, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth in me shall never thirst. You know the background, at least I hope you do. Jesus has performed the miracle in the desert, feeding the multitude with five small loaves and two fishes. Afterwards, Jesus and his disciples crossed to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. The crowd followed, and Jesus took the opportunity to teach them a special lesson. He tells the crowd that they have followed him because of the meal they received and because of the hope of receiving more such free meals. Jesus tells them in John 6:27 to not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. In other words, do not become so focused on physical food that you overlook the fact that the Messiah has come. They tell Jesus that God gave them manna in the desert, and Jesus reminds them that they need to ask for the true bread from heaven. When the crowd replies, Lord, give us this bread, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. What a statement. Jesus is saying that he is essential, just as bread is essential to our physical life. But he's not talking about physical life. Instead, he's talking about eternal life. Physical bread, like that he had used to feed the multitude, does not last. Spiritual bread, however, lasts. Note that Jesus here asked the people to come and to believe. This is a clear invitation to place faith in Jesus as the true Messiah. 
Coming to Jesus implies a conscious decision on our part to follow him. Believing means placing faith in him, that he will do all that he says he will do. Jesus also talks about hunger and thirst. Again, he's not talking about the physical kinds. Instead, he is saying he will satisfy our hunger and thirst to be made righteous in the sight of God. It is the same message he gives elsewhere in the Bible, for example, to the Samaritan woman at the well. So, will we eat of this bread of life? In John 8, 12, Jesus declares, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. In making this statement, Jesus is claiming that he is the only source of spiritual life. Just as Jesus was not talking about physical bread in the previous declaration, he's not talking about physical light here. Physical light from the sun is essential to life on this planet, just as bread is essential to our human existence. The light from the sun is good. As I said, it allows life, it allows us to see, it allows us to function, but there is another superior light. This is the light of his truth, of his word, the light of his eternal life. The light Christ provides, the light he is, removes us all from the darkness of sin. And if we do not accept this light, we will live in a sin-filled world with absolutely no hope of salvation. Jesus states that those who follow him shall not walk in darkness, a clear reference again to the blessed assurance of salvation. And Jesus gives that light to us. Just as the moon has no light of its own, but reflects the light from the sun, believers, true believers, will reflect the glorious light of Christ. For it is not given to us to hide under a bushel, but to be there for all to see. So, do we accept this light? In John 10:7, Jesus states, Verily, verily, I am the door of the sheep. While he goes on in John 10:11 to say, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. The theme of shepherds and sheep is a constant in the teachings of Jesus and elsewhere in the Bible. We all know the parable of the lost sheep, for example. And just before his departure, he instructs Peter to feed my sheep, to feed my lambs. So let's talk about sheep, because there's a real reason for this extended metaphor. Sheep are among the most helpless of animals. They can do little for themselves. They're quite happy to pass the whole day head down, munching on grass, completely oblivious to where they are and what they're doing. And if the shepherd is not there to guide them, they are completely incapable of finding their way back to the flock. Sheep are pretty useless in terms of defending themselves. If, the, if attacked, they don't really fight back. If you've ever seen a sheep, you sort of wonder how they would fight back anyway. So if attacked, they do not fight back. They do not really run away. They don't spread out. Rather, what they tend to do is huddle together, and they make an easy target for any predator. No wonder wolves love sheep. 
Helpless, defenseless, they are easily led to slaughter. In fact, the sheep are totally and utterly dependent on the shepherd to guide them, to protect them, and to tend to them with care and compassion, just as we are. In the fields at night to protect the flock, the shepherd would build an enclosure out of rocks gathered from the surrounding area with only a small space through which to herd in the sheep. Then the shepherd would lie in that space. He literally became the door to the sheep. In this particular context, Jesus is telling us not just that he is a shepherd, but that he, again, literally, is the door for his flock. When he says, I am the door, he once more reiterates that only through him is salvation possible. And when Jesus says that he is the good shepherd, in the verses immediately following John 10, 11, he contrasts himself with hirelings who do not care at all about the sheep, but are quick to flee when any danger, such as a wolf, presents itself. That is a clear reference to religious leaders, in this case the Pharisees. It's a clear reference. And might I say that there are religious leaders around in the world today, unfortunately, who do not care at all for their flocks. And Jesus adds here that the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And the best of shepherds gave his life on the cross for the eternal salvation of his flock. So will we follow our shepherd? Lazarus is dead. Earlier, Jesus had told his disciples that Lazarus was sick. Instead of going to see him immediately, Jesus remained with his disciples where he was. When he does arise, Martha tells him, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus replies that her brother would rise again. Showing faith. Martha responds that she knows he will rise in the last day. And then Jesus makes another I am statement. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. With the words, I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus is affirming that he is the source of both. There is and can be no resurrection apart from Christ. And there is no eternal life apart from Christ. But Jesus does more than give life. He is life. And Jesus gives his spiritual life to those who believe in him. Because believers in Christ will have the promised resurrection and life. Because possessing the life of Jesus means that it is impossible for death to defeat them. O grave, where is thy victory? O death, where is thy sting? So, do we accept the life of Jesus? It was the night before his betrayal and death. Jesus was talking with his disciples about the days ahead. After the Last Supper, Jesus spoke about his departure, which led to many questions from his followers. In John 14, verses 2 and 3, Jesus talks about where he is going. And when Thomas says, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, 
Jesus replies in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. With these powerful words, very powerful words, Jesus presents himself as the only way. He makes it clear that there is no other pathway to heaven, no other way to the Father except Christ. The exclusive nature of the only path to salvation is clear from his words. In John 14, verse 19, Jesus promises that because I live, you also will live. The deliverance he promises is not the kind of political deliverance that the Jews of the time were hoping for. Rather, it is the true release from a life of sin and a life of death. It is a move towards a life of eternal freedom. Jesus is affirming in his statement not only that he is the only path to heaven, but that he is the only true measure of righteousness and the only source of all life. So, Will you hear, obey, and follow Christ? The last of Jesus' I am statements is found in John 15, verse 1, where Jesus states, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. He goes on to emphasize that just as the branches are dependent on the trunk of the vine to grow, to live, and to bear fruit, so we depend on being connected to Jesus in order to have spiritual life. We talked in this quarter's Bible study about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and these fruits, described in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, can come only through Jesus Christ. Without being connected to him, we can bear no good fruit whatsoever. There's an interesting point that comes up in the book of Acts, chapter 9 when Saul is on the road to Damascus and Jesus speaks to him and Jesus asks, Saul, Saul, why dost thou persecuteth me? Now what was Saul doing? Saul was persecuting, killing, imprisoning the followers of Jesus Christ. So why did Jesus say, why are you persecuting me? It comes back to what Jesus said about the vine and the branch. When he said, he who abides in me and I in him will bear good fruit. Jesus' statement in Acts 9 indicates that he is abiding in his believers and that his believers are abiding in him. Therefore, they will bear good fruit through Christ Jesus. The illustration of the vine and the branches is not a simple metaphor. It speaks of absolute reality. No one can ever achieve anything at all independently from Christ. I want to close by pointing out something else about the I am statements of Jesus. And that is his use of the definite article. Jesus says, I am the bread. I am the good shepherd. I am the way. I am the truth. He does not say that he is a shepherd. He does not say he is a way. This emphasizes the focus and power of his declarations. And he does not say, for example, that she, he will show us 
the way, that he is one of some doors that are here, or that he offers one of a number of relative truths. Rather, he says that he is each and every one of these things. So where does that leave you and me? Do we accept without question the theme of these statements, that Jesus is our only salvation? Do we accept once and for all that we depend on Jesus for everything? I hope we do. I am, declares the eternity of Jesus, but I am also clearly centers on the personality of Jesus and speaks to each and every one of us personally. Each one of us must make a decision, a decision to follow Christ wholly and completely. So, do we? Thank you.